Have you ever woke up in the morning and thought, what is the point of getting out of bed? What is the point of getting out of bed? Most of you are like, mm, every Monday morning, right? Yeah, I'm the same with you. You, you may ask the question, what is the difference if I get out of bed or not? What, what is the difference if I go to my, my office or my, my, my desk or my cubicle or my classroom? What really difference does it make if I get up or not? You know, for millions of people across the world, the term purpose and life does not go together. They feel very insignificant. They feel that their life has no significance. And they feel that their life has no meaning at all. You know... There's two uh, strands of thought uh, in the world of science of how the world was created. You've basically got the creationists and you've got the evolutionists. Or as in England, we call it evolutionists. And so when I came in, I'm like, evolution? What the heck is evolution? But anyway, so creationists and evolutionists. The evolutionary scientists say that the world is about 6.5 billion years old. That's pretty old, I think. They said it was formed by a combination of gases, and then the earth began to take form. That human life has been on the world, I don't know, about 150 million years. They said that the universe is so vast that just to get to the nearest sun next to the star, it would take thousands of light years to get there. And then the creationists, if they're right, they say that the world is about 10,000 years old. So that's a little significantly less, but still pretty old. And they said that the universe is much older than 10,000 years. Well, if the creationists are right, think about this. Think, if the world is 10,000 years old, if you are lucky, you have about 80 years on this life. Some of you are even luckier, may, you know, get up into your hundreds. But 80 years is about average. Think that is less than 1% of the existence of this world. Then on top of that, there are nearly 7 billion people at the moment on this planet. Seven billion people. And they say every day about 364,000 people are born into this world. And sadly, around about 156,000 people pass from this world each day. Think in the whole picture of the whole of history and the whole of this universe, what does your life really matter? Think about it. I'm like, if I'm here for 80 years, really, what does it matter? If I'm here or if I'm not here. What significance do you really have in this world? Well, there was a man in the Bible. And he tried to discover the meaning of life. He asked these questions. He's like, what is the point of me getting out of bed? I want to find the meaning to life. He started trying to go on this journey of finding wisdom and understanding and meaning to this life. And he devoted his life to a personal journey trying to find meaning and understanding to this life. So if you have your Bibles this morning, if you want to turn to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is probably about halfway in your Bible. So uh, if you open it halfway, it's there. It's after Psalms, after Proverbs. And uh, you'll probably look at it and think, how do you pronounce that word? So that's Ecclesiastes. But if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 1. It says this. These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. So this book, Ecclesiastes, was written by a man who called himself the teacher. Now, he wasn't a school teacher. He wasn't a professor. He wasn't uh, some uh, Yoda who trains, uh, um, what are they called? Oh, man, I can't even remember what he trains them. Yoda, Jedis, that's it. Oh, man, how embarrassing. 
Sorry. Sorry for you uh, uh, Star Wars nerds. I've dropped the ball there. But, uh, but he's, he's not some kind of crazy guru. This guy is just a guy who's a very wise man. And actually we find out that this man, his name is Solomon. And Solomon, he calls himself the teacher because he was a great wise man. Actually, Solomon started his life as a a devout worshipper and follower of God. This was the same God that his father, who was called David, worshipped. In the Bible, they say that he is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. They they have lots of different names for him. There's a name that's Yahweh, there's a name Elohim, there's a name I Am. There's lots of different names for this God that, that, that this man Solomon worshipped. We actually know that Solomon was brought up in a very dysfunctional family. He was born to an adulteress. His father had slept with his mother while she was still married to another man. And then his father got her husband killed because she came, became pregnant and he didn't want any shame on his family. Hmm. Sounds, sounds, you know, interesting. Then the baby was born and unfortunately the baby died just a few days after it was born. And his father then went into manic depression. On top of that, Solomon's father was king of Israel. So Solomon was basically a prince in the nation of Israel. And then he had uh, dysfunctional brothers and sisters who killed one another and slept with one another and did some crazy things. The Bible says that the sword never left the house of David. There was always killings and they were always killing each other with the sword. But yet on top of this, Solomon, even though he wasn't the firstborn son, was selected to follow his father and become king of Israel. Can I say, not your normal childhood. You know, I mean, for you teachers, your kids come into school, they may be a little messed up, but this guy was really messed up. But yet, this guy kind of kept his feet to the ground. He was a good kid. He loved God. And, and after his father died... He he still continued to love God and he kept his feet onto the ground. And then God came to him and he says, because I loved your father and because your father was such a good king and a a good worshiper of God, I'm going to give you one request. Uh, You can ask me anything and I will give it to you. So most of us, if if God came to us and said, ask me for anything, I mean, you probably might be thinking already of things that you'd be asking God. Some of you would be thinking, I want that fast car. Some of you thinking, I want lots of money. I want a big house. I want that high-powered job. Some of you, including myself, would be thinking, I want that golf membership. Some of you would be thinking, I just want to keep my, my youth. I don't want to grow old. Some of you may be thinking, I just want my kids to be good kids. Some of you may be thinking, I just want my kids to sleep at night. Others may be thinking, I really wish my wife was a little bit more submissive. Some of you may be thinking, I really wish my husband was a little bit more domesticated. The list goes on and on and on. But not Solomon. Solomon didn't ask for any of these things. In fact, we see that Solomon was much more mature than than his years. And he asked God for one thing. And this one thing was wisdom. Wisdom. That's it. I'm like, this guy must be a loser. Because if God asked me for anything, I would not be thinking wisdom. I've been thinking, bring people around me who are wise, you know, but not wisdom. But no, this man, he asked God for one thing, and that was wisdom. And if you want to know where that's in the Bible, you you can find that story of God asking Solomon in in the first book of Kings, chapter 3. And it goes from verse uh, 5 to 15. 
However, we see that God is so pleased with this request from Solomon that he's not asking for all like materialistic things, but he asks for wisdom that God says, I am going to give you wisdom and I'm going to make you the wisest man who ever lived. And on top of that, I'm going to give you everything else that you didn't ask for. So we see that Solomon becomes the wisest man who ever lived. He also became the richest man in the world at the time. He got his submissive wife, actually got 700 of them. I don't know if that was very wise. On top of that, he got 300 concubines. And if you don't know what a concubine is, ask your husband. He'll know what a concubine is. Solomon got his power. His nation lived in peace. He was popular. He was famous. In fact, there was no one greater in the whole world than this man, Solomon. I mean, he was a cross between Hugh Hefner, Brad Pitt, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, and Albert Einstein all put together. This guy was the man. So knowing this background, we come to Ecclesiastes. And after this man has spent a lifetime searching for meaning and understanding to this life, this is what he discovered. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 2. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome, beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. Wow. After a lifetime of searching for meaning and understanding, all he can say is this. Life is meaningless. How depressing. When you have everything in the world... You had all the riches in the world. You could have had any woman that you wanted in the world. You could have had any, any uh, chariot that you wanted in the world. You could have had any palace. You could have invaded any country. You could have had anything that you wanted in the world. And all you can say at the end of your life is this. Life is meaningless. Actually, we see some of the things that Solomon discovered right there. This is what he said. He said it through his wisdom. He says, generations come. And generations go. So what difference really does our generation have to make? The sun rises and the sun sets despite what's going on in the world. You know, there can be a hurricane in the world. There can be an earthquake in the world. There can be wars. There can be dysfunction. There could be great things going on, on in the world. England could even win the World Cup. Like that will never happen. But the sun rises and the sun sets. Nothing affects that. He said that the wind blows and no one can stop that. Not even Irene. The rivers will always run into the sea. Yet the sea is never full. He says that man will never be satisfied. For there is nothing truly new under the sun. 
man will never be content. He'll always want more and more and more. He says, no one will remember in years to come what we are doing today. So it is completely meaningless. So Solomon said, I mean, think about it. I mean, we're meeting here this morning, a generation church, and think in a hundred years time, will people really remember what we did today? Solomon says, no. This is really a totally depressing, negative outlook on life. But this man of wisdom has lost hope because he realized that there was, he was a nobody in the whole spectrum of this universe. He was the richest, most powerful man in the whole world. But yet, when he looked to the stars in the sky, he realized he was a nobody. He had no impact and no effect on this earth. His life was meaningless and he decided that the existence of life altogether was completely meaningless. And you may be feeling like that today. You may have got up this morning and thought, really, what is the point? Okay, I'll go to Generation Church, but what's the point? You may feel that it really wouldn't matter if I lived or I died. It wouldn't matter if I went to work or I stayed at home. It wouldn't matter if I went back to school or decided to continue in what I was doing. It wouldn't matter if, you know, I played with my kids or I didn't. It wouldn't matter if I read a book or watched TV because life is meaningless. Maybe you've been striving to find the meaning in life. Maybe you've been going from job to job thinking that's going to be the answer to find meaning in life. Maybe some of you are striving to find love and think, well, if I just found that person, then I would find meaning. Or if I got rid of that person, then I would find meaning in life. Some of you, you may be trying to strive to find meaning through material things and just gaining things. Some of you have been trying to find meaning through ambition and chasing your ambitions. Some of you may be trying to find meaning through your kids and maybe grandkids. Some of you felt that you've just missed it all and there's no meaning left in life. This was Solomon. And Solomon had advice for you and this was his, his advice. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and verse 12, it says, the te- I, the teacher, was king of Israel. I lived in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race. I observed everything going on under the sun. And really, it is all meaningless like chasing the wind. What is wrong cannot be made right. What is missing cannot be recovered. I said to myself, look, I am wiser than all the kings who ruled in Jerusalem before me. I have greater wisdom and knowledge than any of them. So I set out to learn everything from wisdom to madness to folly. I learned firsthand that pursuing all this is like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases, sol- uh, increases sorrow. Solomon came to this conclusion that the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of satisfaction, the pursuit of meaning was as meaningless and as pointless as chasing the wind. How many of you have ever chased the wind? You may have gone out as a, as a kid and you, the wind had blown. And you may have gone and chased it. Maybe you got one of these when you were a kid. And blew it and saw the wind blowing. Oh, it didn't even work, see. 
And you go around chasing and chasing and chasing the wind. You say, Alex, that's ridiculous. Who, who goes and chases the wind? It's pointless. There's no point in chasing the wind. You're never going to succeed. It's just like trying to find the end of a rainbow or the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. It's not going to happen. You're never going to find it. It's an impossible task and it's completely meaningless. There's no point in doing it. Well, Solomon says this is what life is. Life is just like chasing the wind, totally pointless, totally meaningless. All those years that Solomon plowed into study, all those years of gaining wealth, all those years of ruling his nation, all those marriages, all those investigations in trying to find meaning, it ended with one word, meaningless. He says, I might as well have been chasing the wind. For some of you reading the the first uh, chapter of Ecclesiastes, maybe like looking in the mirror. Some of you have felt that the very existence of your life has been like chasing the wind. You've just been going from one thing to another, but it's never succeeded. Like chasing the wind. However, even though that Solomon was wise, and he was wise, he was the wisest man in, in the history of the world. Even though he was wise, Solomon was not all-knowing. He didn't know everything. And in this, one, in this chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, I see one incredible mistake that Solomon made. Solomon pursued meaning and understanding, but he missed one thing out. And we find it in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 9, and also in verse 13. This is what he said. He said, history merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Then in verse 13, he says, I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. There's one word in both those verses as where Solomon made his mistake. And the word is under. Solomon searched under the sun and under heaven. He spent his whole life trying to find meaning what was under the sun and under heaven. And the problem for Solomon, he was looking in the wrong place. Instead of looking under, he should have been looking over. He was right, there is nothing new under under the sun. It is all meaningless if you just try to find meaning what is under the sun. But if he had, instead of looking under the sun, if he had looked to the one who rules over the sun, he would have found meaning and understanding. If he had looked to the one who rules over the sun, he would have found that there is things that are new in life. And this is what is new. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, it says this, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone and the new life has begun. Solomon says there's nothing new in life. But Jesus says no. He says I have given my life that you may have a new life. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have something that is new. And that is a new life in Jesus Christ. There is something new under the sun. And that is life in Jesus Christ. But then Solomon says there's nothing new under heaven. But Solomon, instead of looking under heaven, he should have looked to the one who rules over the heavens. 
and then he would have gained meaning and understanding in life. His dad even knew this. King David wrote a psalm, Psalm 111. And in verse 10 it says this, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true, not, of true wisdom. All who obey my commands, or all who obey his commands, will grow in wisdom. David realized that the only way to find true understanding and wisdom and meaning in, in, in this life is to look to God. Instead of looking on to heaven and everything on to heaven, look to the one who rules over heaven. And life will never have meaning and understanding while we start to search within this life. You'll never find meaning or understanding while searching on to heaven. If you're searching for more in life by things that are happening in this life, then you'll never find it. Everything under heaven is just like Solomon said. It is like chasing the wind, completely meaningless. For the Ivy League graduate, the high-profile businessman, the local plumber, the homemaker, the school teacher, the student, the one searching for employment, it is all meaningless unless we start to search over heaven instead of under heaven. There is nothing new under the sun. There is no hope under the sun. Yet God who rules over the sun can make all things new. It is only when we start to search the mysteries of heaven will we be able to understand and the knowledge of what is happening under heaven. And some of you, you may have been searching all around for understanding and meaning to your life. Stop searching. Because there's one who rules over the heavens who will give you all understanding and meaning to your life if you start to search him and start, instead of start, uh, searching what's under heaven. I ask you today, what is your focus in life? It is, a, is it a lifelong search for meaning? Is it going from one thing to another? Or is it surrendering your life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Is it realizing that while things in this earth may be meaningless, you are far from meaningless? And Solomon was like, my life is meaningless. What's the point? There's no meaning to life. But I say to you today, Jesus Christ has come to this earth to give you meaning. And you mean so much to God. And while life may seem meaningless, you really do matter to God. And you matter more than you'll ever know to God. And Solomon just could not get this. Solomon, even though in his early days was a, a, a devout worshipper of God, he turned away from God because he started looking at all that was going on in life and he thought that would bring him fulfillment, that would bring him satisfaction, that would bring him meaning. But he failed because he searched under heaven instead of searching over heaven. You are far from meaningless. You've been given a hope. You've been given a purpose. And you've been given a crown. In First Peter chapter 1, 23 to 25, and we'll close with this. It says, For you, those who have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, for you have been born again. But it's not a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever. Because it comes from the eternal living word of God. And as the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like the flower in the field. 
the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And the word is the good news that was preached to you. Your life is just passing in the wind. 80 years if you're lucky. What meaning is there to life? And if you start searching all what's under the sun, all what's under heaven, for something that's going to make you more satisfied, to try to gain understanding or gain meaning, it's just going to be like chasing the wind. Pointless. But the Bible says, the Word of God, which is written in this Bible, or your Bible, is something that will endure forever. It will not just last for 80 years and then pass away, but it's something that will endure forever. Not just this book that has a fake leather cover and some pages inside. But the Bible says that these words are living and they are active. They are eternal because they are God's words just written down for us to comprehend. And I ask you today, is your life chasing the wind or chasing the king? Chasing the wind or chasing the king? One way is meaningless. One way has meaning. If you're chasing the wind, you're going to be chasing forever. But if you start to chase the king of kings and the word of God and what God tells you and start to live a life that is devoted unto him, soon you will gain meaning and understanding. And that chase will not go on for very long because you will find what you are looking for. Let's pray.